having a beer after a hard day's work once meant putting up with a six o'clock swill. The swill is not only unpleasant, it's also dangerous. Those who like beer, and surprisingly it's still legal to like it. South Australia joins all other states in abandoning the six o'clock swill. Welcome to the Six O'Clock Swill with me, Nick Cater. Joining me from the New South Wales Central Coast, as always, Tim Blair, columnist with the Daily Telegraph. And uh, I'm, I think, bound to be acknowledged uh, by the Guinness Book of Records as the world's oldest blogger <laughs> and perhaps the inventor of the internet itself. Who knows? Uh, we've, we're hoping, Tim, to be joined from Perth by Caroline DeRusso. We heard that West Australia was rejoining the Commonwealth, but apparently not in terms of digital communication but if caroline gets on a bit always good to hear from her absolutely yeah There's, she's she's the solitary person who's not been liberated at this point well apparently tonight anyway lefties lefties go nuts with rage as elon musk takes over twitter after three weeks of the election campaign the swill gives its half-time pep talk to both sides beijing's man in canberra richard miles backs china's right to take over tiny pacific nations and western australia rejoins the commonwealth as the covid war finally topples later we'll be joined by kel richards the man wikipedia calls when it runs out of answers who help us interpret the language of politics but first tim extraordinary scenes in the twitter universe this week as elon musk took over the the Enterprise. It's the, it's the most fun since 2016, isn't it? It's the most fun watching these lefties just go berserk. But you see, I don't, I don't think anyone sane realised just how deeply invested so many in the left were in their little fantasy universe called Twitter. It was, I think mm. Matt Tybee, the American writer, said that it was their perfect fantasy world. They, it was a place where Trump was banned, where you could get people thrown off of, you know, being... And politically incorrect, it was a, a safe house, and uh, they could they could run rampant. They could uh, <laughs> run run campaigns on there against conservatives and other people they despised. They try to get people sacked. Oh my God! I've just heard a voice from Western Australia. It's unbelievable. Is that Caroline? Hello, Caroline. I think we have Caroline. Yeah, you laugh. I can see you laughing. This is only funny for you. This is not even remotely funny for me. <laughs> oh, no, <that's- laughs> Now you're so loud, I'm going <laughs> deaf, but it's fine, it works. I know. We're going to have to beep these bits out, Tim. Yeah, we yeah. are. <gasps> oh, sorry. Fascinating audio. You're causing a lot of work in post-production, Caroline, but never mind, it's great to have you on board. <laughs> you might want to start that again then. <laughs> so Elon Musk, I think, we've, I think he's got his $44 billion worth already out of Twitter just in this first week of entertainment as the left go... Absolutely skadoodle balmy over the prospect that he might bring free speech to Twitter. They rather hate that idea. Well, this is the thing. They're not... It's so perverse. The left are not terrified of being cancelled. They're not terrified of being suspended. They're terrified that others won't be cancelled or suspended. It seems, um, seems unusual. Also, I think it betrays a lack of faith in their arguments that they're simply not strong enough to sustain observational criticism. It's, uh, and they've created this lovely little fantasy world where Trump is banned and they get conservatives kicked off and they can have everything to themselves. It's basically an international free version of the ABC. 
they've colonised it. They've done exactly what the left have done in Australia to the ABC, except they've done it this uh, this poor little internet platform called Twitter. And um, now Elon Musk has come along with his terrifying idea of allowing people to talk <laughs> on Twitter. And they're, they're so invested in it. They're so emotional about it. They don't believe in free speech, of course, Tim. They believe in speech justice. And speech justice means that those with loud voices, particularly us white people, uh, need to take a back seat. <laughs> it's a complete lack of self-awareness, isn't it, Caroline? You're in that in that environment a lot. What do you make of it? Oh, I've been thoroughly enjoying myself the last, you know, few days. This has just been this, <laughs> but it's been absolutely extraordinary. They have dropped their bundle, and now they're worried about all these things happening to them, which have actually been happening to other people for a very long time on this platform. This has been happening to conservatives for ages, and now all of a sudden it's a problem because it's happening to them. Um, I just, I'm just enjoying the shake-up, to be frank. This is this guy, Benny Johnson. I think he's with CNN. I might get his name wrong, but that complete lack of self-awareness is just breathtaking. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees. Or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Ring any bells there? <laughs> Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Banning tweets from one side of politics, that, that would be completely novel, wouldn't it? never happened before. <laughs> He's just described exactly how Twitter's been operating for the last five years at least, hasn't he? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's exactly, I mean, they banned the New York Post. But it's that, but, it, but to be honest, correct, and it's, but it's that whole thing that it's not a problem until it affects me, which has kind of been almost like the anthem for the last two to three years. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And they've yeah. had this little world to themselves and they've poxed it up and now they're upset that someone's come in and cashed out. By the way, the most beautiful thing about all of this, uh, Caroline and Nick, the most perfect thing, apart from just the rage on the left, the most perfect thing is, you remember that, that Lenin quote about, you know, capitalists will sell us the ropes that we use to hang them? <laughs> well, stupid climate-crazed lefties have bought... Elon Musk's cars and given him the money he's used to buy Twitter. That's they've 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 destroyed themselves. I'm just looking forward to, you know, will there be um Tesla vengeance incidents? Will uh, will Tesla owners be vilified as uh, having funded this South African Hitler? By the way, Elon Musk's South African background, which no one has mentioned for the best part of this century until now, is suddenly. A, it's now, my God, he was raised under apartheid. No wonder he's a literal monster. Now it's an issue, right? He invented apartheid. He's made his money out of apartheid. Well, apparently his dad was a white nationalist. My goodness. His dad was white. Are you sure? It's extraordinary. It's actually extraordinary. But, but they're not even hiding it. And they don't even understand. They don't even appreciate the irony. They, it's just totally lost on them and irony is bullying irony is mockery it's cruel it's hateful but the problem is they don't have a sense of humor you made the point earlier if you need to be in an environment where your ideas are mandated and are protected it means your ideas are rubbish 
Well, it's nice to see the whole thing yeah, come tumbling yeah. down. They're not bright enough to appreciate it. That's a problem. Well, tumbling down in a way, but it's actually an improvement, isn't it? I mean, you're looking at um, people who have uh, conservative identities, and perhaps this is even true of yourself, Caroline. They've noticed since Elon came in... A few extra followers? ...that suddenly their, their number of followers, uh, they've all increased because all the shadow bans and the removals are being lifted. And uh, there's speculation that this is being done by the techies in... Um, in Twitter to kind of cover their tracks a little bit, you know, once, once Elon starts looking at the algorithms, because uh, unlike the likes of at, at least me... I think it's the modern equivalent of paper shredding. Yeah, good call. There was a there was another good call, I can't remember from who, but uh, they said it was a beautifully ominous line. Elon Musk hasn't just bought Twitter, Elon has bought evidence. <laughs> well, what do you think about the idea of a Truth and Reconciliation Commission? And Elon will be into that, won't he? Here's South African after all. Well, he's gone through one, yeah. Truth and Reconciliation so, so 1990s, Nick. We need a Vengeance and uh, Malevolence Commission that, that is absolutely pitiless and remorseless and just goes through these things and finds finds the censors, finds the monsters. We've identified a few up at the very top of Twitter. There's a, a particular individual there who earns $14 million a year for censoring everything. Well, okay, she's in the frame. And then just go through the rest of them. You know, make it a bit, you know, a bit of a touch of 1945, 46 about it. We go back, you know, actually uncover... Who was cancelled? Why? When? It's terrifying. And who who was semi-cancelled is one of the other issues. A lot of people were kind of like, what's the phrase? Shadow banned, where uh, you're banned but you yeah. don't know it, yep. and uh, or you you made slightly invisible. I mean, we heard yes. that MSNBC idiot before talking about they could turn down your range, and um, so there's a lot of little adjustments that have been made. And the, the whole game was given up, by the way, by by some sobbing Twitter staffer, who. Um, was caught on a Slack chat. Slack chat. Am I getting that right, Caroline? Is that you know, that's a little yeah. millennial talk? Yeah, Slack, Slack. Yeah, yeah. It's like a project management type. Yeah, yep. yeah. Slack. it's all Slack chat. I think. <laughs> anyway, this Slack chat person said that you know if this deal goes through, we're screwed in the midterms and in 2024. Mm. <laughs> that, that's how they're thinking. Mm. They're not thinking uh, we run an internet platform that allows people to communicate. It's entirely a political machine, and they've been busted stone cold. And uh, now the reckoning... The odd thing about that statement, Jim, they they, they think they're going to be screwed in the midterms and screwed in 2024. So that implies they didn't think they were screwed before this week. (laughs) Everybody knew they were. (laughs) Uh, And secondly, you you mentioned the sobbing. You know, there's a lot of sobbing going on. Do I care? Do I care about any of their sobs? No, I do not. There's not enough sobbing. Sobbing is just a way... It's what women do to win arguments, right? (laughs) Well, (laughs) Caroline, come back at me. Oh, now, now, that's not fair. No, 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 no. I think think that is incredibly unfair. What is your go-to tactic, Caroline, for getting out of speeding tickets? Is it the weep? (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. I don't wait. Call yourself Italian. I haven't. I haven't got done for speeding for a good long while. Actually, I got done for speeding. Yeah, I know, right? The the week before we went into lockdown in 2020, and I was I was coming home from a wedding out in the country, and I was overtaking a caravan that decided to speed up while I was overtaking it. Oh, that's a good, that's a classic trick. I hate that. So annoying. Anyway, I get to the front and the cops come around the other corner (laughs) and they pull me up 
and they ping me for speeding. (laughs) I was overtaking a caravan. So I tried to rationalise my way out of it. Maybe I should try sobbing next time because I still got pinged for the points and the fine. Um, And, you know, I still take the view that, you know, caravans are more dangerous than anyone speeding on the road, quite frankly. Especially when the average uh, age of your caravaner is taken into account. Yeah, I know. No offence to uh, our older listeners who might be (laughs) grey nomads and such. They are extremely dangerous, particularly when combined with solar power. (laughs) What? There was that that incident in Tasmania, tragic incident a couple of years back where... Uh, the solar power panels came off a caravan straight through the window of a car, killing tragically all three occupants. You're joking. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they think coal mining's dangerous. That's know, awful. Just crazy. <laughs> but anyway. anyway, on that grim note, let's take a break from Twitter and we'll come back in a moment with Kel Richards. So elections throw up strange language and strange twists of phrase. So sort it all out for us. Who better to get on the podcast than Kel Richards? Kel, welcome to the Six O'Clock Swirl. G'day, g'day, g'day. Lovely to be back again. Every new migrant, Kel, it seems to me, should take a course in Strine, which is that peculiar dialect that they speak in this country, uh, especially at election time, because Strine comes into it a lot, doesn't it? The, the most important words in this election are, are not just Australian words, it's that they are election words, and they are the irritating ones. <laughs> I've got a few. Can mm. I try a few on you? Please. I want to get Please. rid of the expression two-party preferred, because about a third of the Australian election doesn't prefer two parties. It doesn't prefer <laughs> either of the two parties. Uh, the two parties that are left are the two parties they don't prefer. So uh, two-party <laughs> preferred is one of the most... Um, unreasonable sort of expressions that there is. You know, I, I don't know whether instead of two party preferred, it should be last two people standing yeah. or something yeah. like that. But you know, it is not two party preferred. Uh, 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 there are conservatives who want to vote for um, uh, the Liberal Democrats or One Nation or whoever they want to vote for. But if they happen to be in Trent Zimmerman's electorate, then their their uh, their vote ends up with Trent Zimmerman, and they're horrified. Yes. That's yes. not preferred. That's not their uh, preference. So I want to get rid of two-party preferred cast. And, and, and by the, I actually think it's a good case for getting rid of preferential voting. Damn straight. It's, it's just nonsense. Well, there are pros and cons, Kel, pros and cons. But um, the phrase that comes back to me every election campaign is that word that uh, Alphabet Lauder picks up in, let's talk Australian, aorta, aorta. I mean, ev- aorta in every other country in the world as you know, is a mm. medical term. But in Australia, it's a, a cry for government action that's particularly common in the route to an election. Uh, Professor Albeck Lauder says, uh, Aorta is the personification of the benevolently paternal welfare state, which strines being fiercely independent and individualistic appeal to in moments of frustration and anguish. And then he offers this example. Aorta build another harbour bridge. I can't do it with a real accent. You can do that, Kel. Aorta build another harbour bridge, and they ought to stop half those cars from coming into the city so a fella can get to work on time. <laughs> but that's right, isn't it? Aorta. The problem is the politicians keep hearing the aortas. Aorta do this and aorta do that. And they say, yes, we will. We'll just spend another $35 billion on that. It'll be perfectly OK. Uh, and at some point... Uh, the, the poor old Strine bloke who's saying aorta has got to work out, hang on, 
that's my money they're mm. spending, not their money. The only money they've got is my money. Yes, absolutely. So aorta is one of the... Da- I've got a new expression I'd like to put into the election debate. I'd like to put in the expression trading as. So that we have in this election, we have trading the Simon as. Holmes Accord Party yes, trading yes. as independence. So, that's you know... Great. That's a great, great call. That would be excellent. You know, the Holmes Accordians, just call them what they are. Why? Like, they're not even trying... They're not even... This elaborate charade, exactly. they're all independent. Exactly, so... Common source of funding. They all wear the same damn clothes. Bit of a clue. I rather like the Teal Party. Yeah. Oh, the Americans have got the Tea Party, we've got the Teal Party. But my worry about that is it doesn't mean anything to ordinary people. The majority of people have still got no idea of the, the wool being pulled over their eyes, even though it's teal-coloured wool. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. What, what about the fact that, like, that, that Teal Independent Group has fewer factions and fewer differences than either Labour or Liberal have. Yes. They're, they're far more unified, yet they're meant to be the, the, the diverse... What did one of them say, uh, the Melbourne one, who's running against uh, Josh Frydenberg? Monique Ryan. Monique, Dr Monique. Yes, Dr Monique said, um, yes, she does speak to the other, other candidates in her teal group, but it's mainly... <laughs> Mainly for emotional support. Yes. <laughs> she obviously needs a lot of. <laughs> what the hell's that? Don't tell us this stuff, Monique Ryan. Come on. Yeah, but the problem with Dr Ryan is she also assured us she's never been a member of a, a, a political party when, in fact, she'd been a member of the Labor Party. So we tend to weigh things up that she says very carefully. Absolutely. Um, Kel, what about the words we're going to hear on election night? Um, we... Bellwether. Home of the swinging voter. Is a word that you're only yes. hearing. Like, well, it? it's a, a, a word from sheep. Yes, the appropriate. The, the leading sheep in the flock would have a bell hung around its neck uh, so that uh, and the, the farmer could find where the flock is because he could hear the bell ringing. The word weather applies to a sheep that has been castrated. Again, very appropriate. Uh, which would happen to a lot of Australian voters already, I would think. Uh, and uh, it's actually closely connected to the word wither. Which sort of makes sense. You castrate yep. it with a, you know, that sort yep. of makes sense. So that, that's what a weather is and the bellwether. And, and so we all go down to the south coast of New South Wales and say, where are you going? Where's yep. Monero going? Eden Monero going? Well, that's not, that's not the bellwether seat anymore. Mm. Oh, isn't it? No, no. Uh, I think my particular seat up on the central coast is now the bellwether seat. Yeah, I went with Labor last time. Um, yes. Uh, Kel, the, the word that I really liked. I, oh, I mean, yeah. I can think oh, of yes, other bellwether seats, so probably the two in northern. But, uh, but Monaro, I mean, um, you know, it's a bad break <laughs> for Eden Monaro because, um, you know, the the massive tourism draw, like, let's go and have a spend a couple of weeks in the bellwether seat. <laughs> yes, Millions I, every year drawn <laughs> yes. to the, and, the allure of the bellwether seat. And because, because you don't need voter ID, let's go and vote in the bellwether seat. <laughs> well, here's another phrase we hear, Kel, during the election night. We'll hear some candidates being praised for being great candidates on the ground. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, Apparently they lose some of their charisma or appeal when they're elevated. I'm not sure when it kicks in, but... Yeah, when they're in flight, they're like, God, he's a terrible candidate when he's 2,000 feet above. But at, at ground level, on the ground, but, you know, you've got to, I guess, factor in sea level and issues like that for their quality. They're also, they, they, those same people who are good, good politicians on the ground are often called good retail politicians. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, in other words, they're about at a level with the person who says, would you like fries with that? <laughs> well, we should pay them a commensurate amount. 
Um, can I mention the word core flute? Oh, good Lord, yes, please. How did that, what's the origin of that? We used to call them signs. That's right. Uh, core flute is actually a registered brand name <laughs> of Corex Plastics Australia because the, it's two, as you know, plain mm. sheets of plastic with a corrugated bit in the middle, which is said to be fluted. And they invented this, and because their name is Corex, they called it core flute. But a bit like Hoover, we, we called every vacuum cleaner. So we should capitalise it then. That's a product. It is, it's and there should out. be a little you know, R for registered train name uh, afterwards. But they've given up on that now. They, they've accepted, like Hoover, it's become a generic name for every one of those signs. But the thing that struck me when I looked up the origin of core flute and what these signs are, they are made of plastic. They're no longer cardboard. They're no longer paper. They are plastic. That means greens cannot use them because their job is removing plastic from the environment. It means the homes of courtians cannot use them because that's plastic going into the environment. Cal, let me, this is going to rock your world, my friend. Green's the worst hypocrites on earth. No. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> no. Of the, the, that, I mean, a study came out, I don't know, was it a week, two weeks ago, about how many birds get sliced up, how many bald eagles get oh, minced yeah. every year in the US, and it's like by, uh, by wind turbines. And they're like, well, the price you've got to pay. <laughs> Apparently the price is about 50 grand per bird. But that, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're prepared to pony up that amount, chop your bald eagles to bits. Yeah, you know, fill your yeah. boots, son. It's great. You can recycle the core flute, though. You can recycle it. I, I use I use a couple to line my uh, the boot of my car. Uh, I've got a couple of Malcolm Turnbulls facing very down. Useful. <laughs> They're very good, very quite hard-wearing in a car. Can, can I give you some statistics, which, which I think journalists need to know about social media? There was, I don't know if you guys came across it. The Pew Foundation in America did a study, came out about a week and a half ago, the percentage of the American population on Twitter is 8%. Yes. Uh, and of that 8%, 3% generate 90% of the content. Now, once you've heard those numbers, you've got to say, why does anyone on the face of the planet take social media seriously, Tim? I'll tell you one reason why. Uh, the Dave Barry effect. Not Dave Barry. Paul Barry. Dave Barry's funny and interesting. Paul Barry, the ABC bloke. He isn't. It's... It, Twitter is a boon for lazy journalists. You can go, you can find anything you want there to support any position. So Paul Barry, on the, every second episode of that Media Watch thing, I'm assuming, I haven't watched it for a while, but um, he, uh, he'll say, and social media erupted, or social media were very supportive of. And he'll, he'll, <laughs> and he'll, and he'll, pull, up and he'll pull up a few people you've never heard of from the world of social media. And it's like they're authorities or something. But you can use it to... Um, point out into position. I like Twitter because even during its its heavy banning phase, when it was getting rid of conservatives, it gave us a great insight into the left wing mind, and you'd get a whole lot of crazy lefties, unprotected by editors, unprotected by um, the subs, unprotected by uh, you know the institutional machinery they usually have around them, and they were revealed as what they truly are, and it was fantastic. Fantastic! You'd get a real insight into just how demented some of these people were. It was it was it was brilliant. And uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you make of the the phrase "Twitter storm," Kel? I mean, this is often used. You know, a Twitter storm broke out, and when you get down to it, you find you know, in meteorological terms, it would be about two drops of rain, right? Like <laughs> a couple of dumb people have exchanged a tweet, and that's that's now a Twitter storm, and it's mm. worthy of a story in its own right. 
Well, if the Pew Foundation is right, uh, Twitter storm is 3% of 8% getting upset about something. That's what it is. It's not, uh, can, can I tell you the tactic I've adopted to, for this election? It might be right. useful to other people. It might save you a yes. Defensive pessimism. I, I found this on one of these psychology websites on the, because I keep browsing, looking for weird expressions, and they came up with this defensive pessimism. Uh, so you, you imagine the worst that can happen you know, a, 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 an Albanese landslide. And then if it doesn't happen, well, it's good news. And if it does happen, well, I thought it was going to happen anyway. So you, you're covered psychologically and emotionally every way. Defensive pessimism. Well, breaking, breaking news, Kel, mm. breaking news. Yes. It, but there's a terrible development for Labor. This is just uh, coming to hand. Probably the worst thing that could happen to Anthony Albanese's campaign. He's gotten better. <laughs> he... My insiders, my Canberra insiders, tell me that the battle now is for Labor to recover from Anthony being being well. Now he's he had the best week. He had a Biden of a week when he was invisible, because all the attention obviously was on uh, on the government, hundred percent of it. That's never you never want that in an election campaign. And now that Albo's back, well, you know. They'll be cranking up the, the gaff watch again. They'll be looking out for another another batch of slips and errors. But, but that being said, I think I think um, at Labor HQ they're actually um, they're actually quite relieved now that Richard Miles has got COVID <laughs> and is in <laughs> and is in isolation. Otherwise known as the witless protection program. <laughs> Because he has just been the most bumbling gift over. He's just terrible. You've had a bad week. Test positive. Thank you. But I, I did like the way that he, he kind of um, he time machined himself, didn't he, Caroline? Because he had he'd written a book some years prior, a couple of years ago at least, and uh, in which he'd just pull all these little electoral traps for himself, saying, "Yay, China!" I think that was the title of the book. Yay, China. China, please come and take over small Pacific nations and turn them into servile, subservient uh, <laughs> places where you can plant your troops and missiles. Is this our Cuban missile, missile crisis, Kel? I don't know. The interesting bit about the Albanese story coming back is his doctor ordered him to take it easy for a few days. And when they asked his doctor what he meant by take it easy, he said, I meant don't use any numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I think we 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 better draw this to a close. We've just time. I think we are halfway through the election campaign. Three weeks, three weeks to go. I think it'd be a good idea if we all offer our halftime pep talk to one or both sides or neither. I'll start with mine. I think we've spent three weeks listening to politicians talking about what they're going to do when they get into government. I'd like the next three weeks to talk about what they're not going to do because sure as anything, once governments start to do things, everything starts to go wrong. That's my view anyway. Well, Mark Stein actually supported your point of view, Nick, because Mark Stein once said, almost all governments get almost everything wrong almost all the time, Um, which means... Uh, they can argue and debate as much as they like. Ain't going to make much difference. I, I applaud that. Yeah, um, uh, I'd like to see the independents actually register under their uh, under a, a solid name. I think Kel's right. We can't have. Uh, we need a trading as provision or something like that, or uh, or at least um, uh, put a capital I on independent to indicate that it is a party. How's the West looking, Caroline, in this election? I'm. I'm. Prob- this is wishful. This is. This is wishful. This is my unicorn for the election campaign. 
I would like to see some nuance. I would like to see some explanation. Kel, can you give us a dictionary definition of nuance? Because it seems that no one in the entire political class understands what it is. Nothing ever gets explained. Yes and no questions end up being answered with, I've already answered that question. (laughs) I think the Australian voter deserves a wee bit better. So what is nuance in Poland? What can we bring any in, or does politics just not work with nuance? Should it always be black hats and white hats? It's got to be short, simple sentences, otherwise the spe- people speaking them don't understand them. That's the problem. Uh, it, it's not the audience. It's not. It's not the voters. It's okay. not the public. Uh, it's it's those people saying the sentences who need short, simple sentences. Otherwise, they get confused. If if they tried to say anything complicated, they'd end up sounding like Kamala Harris. So they don't say anything complicated, and they just they just stick to what they've said in the past and, and say as, as little as they can. There's a lovely story on the web at the moment, and it'll be around for a while. A couple of teenage boys got a chance to interview uh, Albanese, and they said to Albanese, we want a yes or no answer. Is a trans man a man? Uh, and his answer was a yes or no. Well, uh, they can define who they are, is what he said. That was his yes or no answer. You know, we, we, we can't expect anything better. Pronouns are impossible these days. Pronouns. So, Caroline, Freedom Day. Freedom Day in the West. That all, well, most COVID restrictions have suddenly been dropped, especially regarding people coming in and out of the state. You don't think by any chance this is anything to do with the fact that Labor is due to be holding its national uh, campaign launch in Perth on Sunday? Might they have just dropped it conveniently for that purpose, do you think? Well, it would be very convenient if that was the case. Um, it's like all of a sudden there's like six, I think there's about 6,000 cases or something like that, but we can't get COVID anymore. So we don't need G2G passes. We don't need um, masks inside. We don't need to QR. We don't need to show vaccination proof all overnight because magically it doesn't kill us anymore, where last week it was going to kill us. Now, this is the thing that a lot of people in the East don't get, Carol. When you had no cases, you had some, you know, fairly severe restrictions and rules and limits and such. We got put into full lockdown over one case. Now that you have thousands of cases every day, you're allowed to wander around as free as you like. Yep. Free as a bird. Can anyone explain this to people? No. No. Logic. Logic in COVID regulations. You're killing. killing. There's none of that. There is absolutely none of that. Uh, Anyway, look, thanks, everybody, for joining us on the swill. Just a word to Elon Musk. If he's got any money left after paying for Twitter, he's perfectly welcome to buy the swill. I think we'll be a bit cheaper than Twitter, won't we? But we'll count it in the billions. You can email us, of course, at nick at radiobcc.com. Don't forget to give us five stars. That is your bounden duty. The only cost for this is but pressing five stars on your podcast provider and tell all your friends. Just time to thank everybody on the show tonight. Thank you to Kel. Thank you to Caroline and, of course, Tim. And uh, thank you for your presence and thank you for listening. Every American and LBJ is with Australia all the way. Australia is the best place in the world to bring up a family. 
but we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. But you know, we've got more culture than a penicillin factory in Australia. <laughs> no worries. How good is Australia? Yeah!